in commercial side, it's strictly based on the net operating income. So if you're able to come in and add value to push up the net operating income, you can drastically increase the value of your property. There's a lot more opportunities in commercial real estate. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Surgeon Syndicate. This is your host, Dr. Michael McManus, and we are here today with Wen Zing. Wen is a software product manager with a focus on helping people plan, monitor, and achieve their financial goals. At nighttime and on weekends, he likes to grow and manage his residential properties in Jersey City, Newark, and Philadelphia. He is now branching into commercial properties. He has a passion for fintech and real estate. When welcome to the show. I apologize. I'm glad to be here. So when fintech, this is a term I see a lot. And for people like me who are just a doctor, uh, tell me a little bit about what you do and what that means. Yes. So it's basically technology for the financial industry. So it's fintech, financial with technology. I work for an investment bank. We build softwares to support the financial advisors, like financial calculators, investment proposal softwares that allows the FA to quickly put a proposal together and have a conversation with their client. We also build financial calculators that helps the clients to see when they can retire and what their retirement lifestyle will look like if they do this and that. Okay. So this is an important thing, especially for people who are trying to save and find out when they can retire. Can you stop working when you're 50, 40, or 70? At what point can you go on autopilot? So and we'll kind of get back to that. So you've been now branching into real estate. How long have you been doing the residential properties? About seven years now. I started in 2014 in Jersey City, New Jersey. Okay. So for a guy who's coming from the finance industry, what made you start looking at real estate and why hadn't you looked at it earlier? Yeah, that's a really good question. I like real estate because I was in college. I realized I'm paying rent and my landlord would show up every now and then. We just collect rent and disappear. I would never see him again. So I realized, you know, that's pretty good. And I said, you know what? Maybe that's something I can explore. So it's always in the back of my mind to experiment real estate to see if it's something I can do on this side. So in the financial calculators that you're building, is there a place in these for real estate? Yes. The tool is flexible to include alternative assets such as uh, real estate. But the bulk of it, it's really to manage people's 401k account, their IRA account, all their retirement account, their brokerage account. And as all these alternative assets becoming more and more popular, the tool is enhanced to include those alternative assets, which is real estate. 
Okay. The bulk of the money is still in stocks, 401k, annuity, bonds, investments. All the traditional stuff. So real estate being considered an alternative asset, even though real estate is kind of the original asset, land and before all the other things existed, why isn't it part of the standard options you get in your 401k packages? Or is that more for the bankers and you're on the tech side? The bank has their different business model. So the model that the bank I work for, it's asset management. So they want to manage your asset for a very, very small fee. In real estate, it's not as liquid and it's not in their business model. So I think everyone has their own niche. The bigger bank, they manage a huge amount of money for a fractional fee. Real estate, it's what they call an alternative asset. It's not suitable for everybody. They like the more traditional investments. I don't know if I should get a little <laughs> bit detailed, but there's a lot of synergies to the bank. They, they create the products and then they manage your money and then they use your money to buy back their products. So they earn money in both ways. <laughs> so, yeah. That's okay. You always ask when you start going into real estate, you're like, well, why didn't somebody offer this to me before? And, and I can see when it's an illiquid product and you're managing these portfolios for people that if they say, hey, I want to get out of that stuff in your 401k and you're like, sorry, but it'll be about three to five years from now. Mm -hmm. That doesn't fit as well with the model for your standard 401k models. It's a more complex and expensive thing if you get into the aspect like a family office where they're doing less traditional things with money management. So you started out with your first property several years ago, and then now you have three properties in three cities, or you got more than that as you built this up? I have a little bit more. So I purchased my first condo like really back in 2009 it was intended for my personal use i didn't really thinking about investment so i bought the condo there was a first time home bio credit out there and i walked by the condo and it's like oh the bank is foreclosed on it i'm buying it at a discount the federal government kicks in i think eight thousand dollar credit for first time home buyer under president bush I'm like, hey, you know, let me just pick it up. So I bought it and I stay in one room. I rent the other room out. I think I was just accidentally bumped into it <laughs> in 2009. And then I never think about it. I was just focused on my personal life and growing my career. <laughs> I think that's how I got into it. And then a couple of years later passed by. I'm like, hey, this condo is appreciating in value, managing a tenant, my roommate, it's not a lot of work. And hey, why don't I just buy a little more? I think that's how it started. So that's awesome. I, so in 2009, so this was after the real estate crash? Yes, this is after the crash. There's okay. foreclosure everywhere. And I bought a two bedroom condo in North Bergen, New Jersey. It's about 15 minute commute into Manhattan and they're selling the two bedroom condo for 175,000, <laughs> um, which is quite a bargain because 15 minutes to Times Square, Manhattan for 175,000 and the government gives you $8,000 tax credit. So 
I did the number and said, hey, this is what I'm paying for rent. Why don't I just buy it, stay in one room? I rent the other room out. I was single. Hey, let's do that. So that's awesome. Well, I mean, you are a, kind of a numbers and spreadsheet guy, you say. So I think this all fit right into your powerhouse that as soon as you looked at it, the numbers are all churning along and it says, wait, we're going to pay this over here. It's going to cost me over here. This all makes sense. So you stumbled a little bit, but I think it was part of your what's your superpower there that it all just kind of came together intuitively. So what's that condo worth now? Do you still own it or did you sell it? I sold it about two years ago. I think the condo it's about worth $340,000, maybe a okay. little bit more. And it didn't appreciate that much. Everything else, it's appreciating like crazy around New York City. But that specific region, it didn't appreciate that much, but it's still double in value. Okay. It didn't increase by fivefold like other places. I was going to say, for people living in the Midwest, I'm like, wow, you can get a place in New York City for under $400,000. I just figured everything was forever. That was kind of a scary time in the world. But I guess if you were buying it for yourself and you had to live somewhere and you were paying less than you were in rent, right around that time, I just moved to Wyoming and we were in Jackson Hole. And I remember looking at condos there that were right around $100,000 in that same price range and nothing was selling. And there was a lot of building in the areas outside of town that was half done and like builders had just walked away from it. And it was really a scary time. But the people who stepped in and bought then, they did fantastic. So that's awesome that you just, you're like, well, I need a place to live anyway. And so you kind of stumbled into it. So as you expanded that, where was it that you made the decision? So you said, well, I got one roommate. That's okay. I think I can manage another one. So what was your next purchase? In 2014, so it was five years later, I saved up money and I want to buy a larger property. It's also in New Jersey, an up and coming area called Jersey City, which is also a 15 minute commute into Manhattan, Midtown by Times Square area. I took a lot of time to save up money and I'm a very conservative person. I focus on my job and my career. So it took me almost five years to save up money to buy a second property. It's a three family in Jersey City. I got it at a bargain for $450,000 back in 2014. The landscape becoming a little bit more competitive in 2014 for this small multifamily that's reasonable price and easy commute to Manhattan. So that's kind of part of the, you're looking for that easy commute to Manhattan just because the demand for anything that's 15 minutes into the city is going to always be high? Yes, because the demand for housing is so strong in New York City. Um, a lot of people are just renting in New York City area. And as Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens gets a little congested and price are becoming more and more expensive, people move into Westchester, Long Island's always expensive. They come into New Jersey that you have easy commute into Manhattan, but you have an advantage with tax. So people living in New York City pay three layer of tax. You pay your federal tax, state tax, 
and there's a New York City tax. But once you go over to cross the Hudson River in New Jersey, you eliminate one, the New York City tax. And right there, you save about five to six percent in tax, income tax. Oh, wow. Um, oh, so when you live in the city, you pay income tax in the city. Yes. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the difference in rent? So, if you're renting in Manhattan, I assume that's like the most expensive place to live. What does somebody pay per bedroom in Manhattan or for equivalent to your place in Jersey City? What's it cost in Manhattan? There is always different class of super luxury and your average working class housing. In Jersey City, because it's a 15-20 minute commute to Manhattan, it's very uh, high in demand. The rent is usually about a 40% discount compared to Manhattan for equivalent, sometimes even 50% half the price of wow. what you pay in Manhattan. That's a high dollar commute. It's worth it. And you're saving tax. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So if you're 15 minutes away and you're going to Brooklyn or the other direction, you're still more expensive than New Jersey. That's right. In every area, it's gotten very expensive. Brooklyn's quite expensive. Even neighborhoods like Williamsburg it used to be very rough area, became very expensive. Okay. So you've been going down this road and building up the income from these, but now you're looking at commercial properties. What led you to make that shift to commercial? Yeah, a lot of the property, the price has appreciated quite a bit. And I feel like I'm not going fast enough. I've been acquiring more and more properties over the time with the condo in 2019. And in 2014, I acquired a three-family and I acquire more and more. What's more attractive on the commercial real estate is you're able to be more creative and allows you to do more value add to significantly increase the value. In residential side, your price of the unit is based on comparable. So what your neighbor sold the house for, it's pretty much what your property is worth. But in commercial side, it's not based on that. It's strictly based on the net operating income. So if you're able to come in and add value to push up the net operating income, you can drastically increase the value of your property. So there's a lot more opportunities in commercial real estate. And that's why I wanted to transition from residential to commercial. Was there anything that kind of held you back to make that jump? Or how was it? Was it just clear, like when you walked by that first townhouse that's not foreclosed, that you're like, oh, I should do this. This just makes total sense. <laughs> I wish it's like that, but it's not. I'm very conservative person. And even till now, I still have second thoughts to leave my W-2 job, right? So as a parent and living in a pretty expensive part of the country, it's quite expensive to leave your job and jump straight into commercial. There's a lot of scenarios I think in my head. What if it's this? What happens if it doesn't work out? Do I have to go back to my job? There's endless scenarios and ways to back away from it. So to your question, it's not an easy step, but I've been taking slow steps, taking one step at a time. It's a slow process to make sure I'm prepared for it. Financially prepare, mindset shift, 
and having a strategic plan, what I'm going to do and build the vision and prepare all the people around me to support me. So I check off all the things to make sure I do everything before I'm ready to quit. So This is great. And you know what? I think this is really hits home with a lot of the healthcare providers, with the doctors and nurse practitioners and people who are highly educated and earning a good salary. This idea of even if you want to switch, it's hard to walk away. So this has been awesome. And I'm going to delve into this more in the second half of our discussion. So for everybody out there listening, please join us. Please come back because I love Wynn's story about how he's moving towards letting his job go and move into a space of more freedom. So we'll be back with that on the next episode. Please join us. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you found value in this episode, no other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. You can help them by sharing this content today. I also want to serve you better. So I want to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you can take a moment and leave an honest review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help. Schedule a call. We can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.